Do you know one topic that Jesus spoke a lot about? If you if you go through all the teachings of Jesus throughout the gospel, there's one topic that Jesus taught a lot about, which we are very scared to teach about, especially in the church. Any guesses? Money. Jesus spoke a lot about money. And one of the reasons why the church is so scared to talk about money is because there has been a lot of abuse that has happened in the same topic. A lot of abuse. And because of the past abuse, now the church is so scared to talk about money. Every time a preacher says the word money, generosity, the word prosperity, which is a biblical word, not a demonic word, everybody is like on their guard. He's here to get my money. Everybody's on the guard, everybody's on the defense because of the past hurt and past abuse. But Jesus talked a lot about money. Money is a resource. Money is a resource. First Timothy 6 verse 10. First Timothy 6 verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. For the love of money is the root of all evil. This verse has been misinterpreted a lot of times and has, and has been taught as money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It is the love of money. There was a time when I did not want to have a lot of money because I was scared that the money would corrupt me. A lot of money does not corrupt people. A lot of money does not corrupt people. A lot of money just reveals the hidden intention of the people. So if the person is corrupt, a lot of money would reveal the corruption that, is, that was already there. It's not the money that corrupts, the money just reveals. So it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. The, the craze, the drive, the craving for a lot of money is the root of all evil. In fact, Jesus, if he compared God with something that's not the devil... He said, you cannot worship God or and worship dash at the same time. He did not use the word devil. He used the word money. Because that's how we equate money to. Money takes so much preeminence in our life that it almost becomes like our God. And everybody sitting here, everybody thinks the moment a sermon like this is preached, everybody assumes that this is not about them. Yeah, this message is not for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't love money. I don't worship money. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah, I'm that person. But here's a litmus test. How do you know? How do you know if you love money? 
How do you know if you worship money? Here's a litmus test. Ask yourself, the decisions that you make in your life, is it based on money or is it based on hearing God's voice? If the decisions that you make in your life is based on how much money you have in your bank account or how much you don't have, that means you're driven by money. When you, when you go to a store and you want to buy a shirt, what's the first thing that comes in your mind? Do I have the money? You didn't wait and ask the Lord, should I buy this? So if your decisions are driven by money, by the lack or the gain of it, that means you worship money. So you don't have to feel condemned because if that's your thing, you can repent today, right now, and be redeemed from it. That's it. You don't have to feel condemned. Be delivered. Be delivered from the love of money. Amen? Amen. So, Jesus talked a lot about money. Talked a lot about money. And one way to be delivered from the love of money is generosity. Generosity. Generosity is so powerful. We, we take it so lightly. Anything that the Lord created, anything that God created, give me some things. Sun, trees, birds, oceans. Anything that God created gives. The tree gives, the sun gives, the animals Anything that God created. You're wondering how do the animals give? What do you eat? The animals give themselves. There was, there was a person who just before eating, he prayed, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this chicken and for Jesus. Both died to give me life. <laughs> Anything that God creates gives. But humans are the only creation in the entire cosmos that has a trouble giving. Why is that? Why is that? And look at what Jesus says. Luke chapter 16 verse 11. Luke chapter 16 verse 11. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Next verse. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Jesus says, if you have not been faithful with the money that you have, how can you have the true riches of heaven? It's a good question, right? If you're not faithful, do you know that people kill each other for more money? People in the corporate will stab your peer person whom you call friend just for another promotion. Jesus says, if you're not faithful with this money, which is unrighteous mammon. Why? Why did Jesus call money as unrighteous? You know why? Because it has no stability. It will perish. It is limited. The moment you have it, it will finish off. It has the the nature of this money is to go away. But we want money, why? Because money gives us the purchasing power to buy things. 
We need money. Since we live in this world, we need money. We need money to buy clothes. We need money to put a roof over our head. We need money to eat. And Jesus says, if you are unfaithful in this unrighteous money, how will God give you true riches of heaven? Meaning the criteria to have true riches of heaven is to be faithful in the unrighteous money. Are you faithful? Are you faithful in the money that God has already blessed you? Are you faithful in the salary that you receive? Are you faithful in the profit that you make in the business? Are you faithful? Are you faithful with your tithes and offerings? Are you faithful in being generous? When the Lord gives you an unction to give, are you faithful in obeying his voice? Are you faithful or are you unfaithful? Amen. Now, the whole world is in a rat race. In corporate, we all know we are all in a rat race to make more money. But this is a money that will perish. It has an expiry date. It does not stay in our hands, right? It does not have stability. It runs away. It is limited and it perishes. But everybody is running after this money that perishes. So, if you read your Bible and you see one man who had enough of it, he was a trillionaire. Millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire. He had more than enough. That guy, by the end of his life, he says, everything under the sun is vanity. You can have all the money you want. You can go to all the disco bars. You can, you know, do whatever you want. But I'm telling you, everything is vanity. That's the guy who had everything. So-called everything that the world gives. Amen? Now, my question to you is, what are you running after? What are you running after? What is your heart running after? Is it after this money that perishes or is it after the true riches that Jesus promises? True riches. True riches. And I want to teach you on how and what those true riches are and if you have those true riches, you will have money. Why do people want money? Because money gives you purchasing power to buy things. But you know what? If you have true riches, true riches gives you the purchasing power to have money. So if you have something amazing, I'll say how much does that cost? And you tell me what the cost is. I'm willing to pay the price for that commodity. I can pay you the money and take that thing from you. But if I tell you the cost because true riches are is a cost if you can pay that cost, you can have money. God does not have a problem with you having a lot of money. God has a problem with money having you. Read Genesis 13 and you see the account of wealth that Abraham had. Or read the story of David when he donated for the temple, when he gave for the temple generously. Billions of dollars. He gave gold and silver. 
They were not corrupted by money. But look at Judas. He was corrupted for some silver coins. So it's not the lot of money that corrupts you. It is the corruption in your heart that corrupts you already. A lot of money just reveals that corruption. Amen? So instead of, instead of being like, God, I don't want more money because maybe money will corrupt me. Instead of doing that, ask the Lord, Lord, heal me, transform me, remove that corruption from me so that I can be a channel. Last week I taught you that if in the kingdom you are not increasing, you are not multiplying, Jesus calls you wicked. If you are not increasing in your finances, Jesus calls you wicked. Why? Because you're the most selfish person. Because when God blesses you, he does not just bless you for you. He blesses you so that your city can be transformed. The mandate upon our life is to transform the geographic location that we are in. That's what Jesus said. Go out into all ends of the earth and make disciples of nations, not disciples of individuals, disciples of nations. How do you make disciples of nations? You need purchasing power. And that purchasing power comes by true riches. You, have, you can receive true riches. So the first, the first true riches, the first one, humility. I'm telling you, whatever the world thinks is worthless, is actually a true riches from heaven, humility. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 5, he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Inherit the earth. We're not just talking about inheriting your daddy's 1,500 square feet house. Inheriting the earth. Blessed are the humble. What is meekness? What is humility? It is not weakness. Humility is to exercise God's strength under his control. What is humility? It is to exercise God's strength under his control. Meekness, humility has to do a lot with self-restraint. Amen. One of the blessings that the Lord gave Abraham, one of the promise was that you will, you and your offspring will inherit the earth. Now, when somebody gives you a promise, especially when it is God who gives you a promise, how do you receive that promise? If somebody has to give you an expensive gift, if you don't have humility, you cannot receive it. If you posture your heart, be like, no, I don't want it. You cannot receive it. It could be God giving you a gift, but unless you don't receive it with humility, it will still stay in the hands of God. So for Abraham to receive that promise, he received it through humility. He was humble to receive it. He was humble to receive it. A humble heart is a teachable heart. How do you know that you're humble? Are you teachable? Are you teachable? Or are you, yeah, I know everything. I know all the verses. Yeah, what, what will the pastor say? I know all, I'm born and brought up in the church for 20 years, I've been going to church. My goodness, you know nothing. You take one aspect 
you take one aspect of worldly knowledge let's say for example give me a give me a field astrophysics oh man i don't know what that is <laughs> okay i let's do it right let's do it everybody understands it let's do it in it do you know how many fields are there many a person who masters it masters in one of the field in it not all the fields he can't do that because there's a lot and then for the next 40 50 years he spends his life to increase and sharpen his skill in that one field because it's so broad you can take any worldly knowledge it's so broad and if you think worldly knowledge is that broad and that deep how much more is spiritual knowledge what do you think you are you know nothing when i say you know nothing i'm talking about myself we know nothing we know nothing you know paul says to corinthians just he says if you think you know i'm telling you you know nothing as much as you ought to know it's a great place to start especially when you come to church taking that posture of humility lord i know nothing i'm here to receive as a child it's a great place to begin but be like I've been a pastor I just came from a conference you will not receive anything humility is a great posture because humility will pull out things that the other person does not want to give it will pull out let me just say that again humility will pull out things that the other person does not want to give what the other person considers as precious what he wants to value humility will pull that out from the other person so how do you know that you're humble are you teachable are you teachable or do you judge a person before you want to learn i i am 35 years old he's a 25 year old guy how can he teach me he can't teach me he doesn't have the credibility you see see jesus he said what you hear is important meaning the quality of content that you hear is important and the next thing that he said how you hear is also important so as much as the quality of content that you hear is important it's also the attitude of your heart in how you hear is also important you know if you are humble we can learn from children children they carry the spirit of god So how do you judge humility? Are you teachable? Who was the wisest person? Solomon. King Solomon, known as the wisest person, he has the wisdom of God to judge the people, right? But the Bible says that even Solomon had a council of men. He had with him people to whom he would listen to counsel, wise counsel. Why would Solomon being the wisest king whom God gave the wisdom from heaven he surrounds himself with people whom he can listen to because wisdom gives you humility 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 is so important in fact 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 God said to Paul my grace is sufficient for you for in your weakness my strength will be perfected god's grace is not attracted to your strength 
God's grace is attracted to your weakness. Every time you are humble enough to say, God, I am weak, God's grace is attracted. That's why James chapter 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you're a proud person, you cannot receive anything. But he gives more grace to the humble. Say with me, more grace. more grace. So how much ever grace you have received, you can receive more grace. It all depends on how much more humble you're willing to become. You can receive more grace. What's the sign of humility? Teachability. How willing you you know, how willing are you to learn? Teachability. Humility attracts favor. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility attracts favor. That's why the second point in true riches is favor. Favor. One moment of favor is greater than all the years of labor. One moment of favor is greater than all your years of labor. Proverbs 22, verse 1. I want you to read the second part. Proverbs 22, verse 1. Favor is better than silver or gold. Favor is better than silver or gold. So, just imagine with me, if in my left hand I had $1 million, and if in my right hand I had favor, which one would you pick? That's being wise. Because this money can perish, can go away. But favor, favor is better than gold. Favor is better than silver. Let me show you this verse. Exodus chapter 3, verse 21 to 22. Okay, He says, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. This is talking about the slaves, Israelite slaves, and they are leaving the next morning. They are being freed. And God says, I'll give you so much favor that when you ask the Egyptians, they will give everything that they have. You will plunder those Egyptians. God gave them favor. That overnight, an entire multitude of slaves became millionaires. Overnight. Overnight. The favor of the Lord. Amen. Let me show you one more thing. What, is the, what does the favor of the Lord do? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Ephesians 1, verse 7 and 8. Just 7b, which is the second part. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So how does God lavish his grace upon us? Grace, the other word is favor. Grace and favor mean the same thing. How does God lavish his favor upon us? He lavishes his favor in the form of wisdom and insight. So when, when you say, I got my salary, you got your salary in the currency of Indian rupees. God's favor is, comes in the currency of God's wisdom and insight. So you want to grow more in the favor of God, you want to grow more in the wisdom of God. See, God's favor just 
does not open supernatural supernaturally it does just not open doors and opportunities you have to understand this see joseph who was in the prison within within like a moment he is in the palace that was god's favor so god's favor does open supernaturally it opens doors and opportunities but it is a wisdom that kept him there so the wisdom that kept him there came from favor also it's an extension of favor so you just don't want favor that will just bring opportunities you want favor that will sustain you so the favor that sustains you comes in the form of wisdom knowledge understanding to grow in god's favor is to grow in the wisdom and insight of god amen that's why the third is wisdom knowledge and understanding humility brings favor favor brings wisdom knowledge and understanding this is the third true riches proverbs 3 verse 16 solomon says like this long life is in her right hand in her left hand are riches and honor wisdom wisdom is like a person and she has in her left hand she has riches as riches and honor and in her right hand she has long life so when the lord told solomon you know when solomon said i want understanding on how to judge your people the lord said i will with it give you riches and honor you know why he said riches and honor because a lot of people do acquire riches but they don't have honor riches as much as it comes with honor it also comes with shame you don't want riches and shame you want riches and honor and that comes from godly wisdom godly wisdom proverbs 24 verse 3 by wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches proverbs 23 verse 23 buy truth and do not sell it by wisdom instruction and understanding you know you can buy wisdom instruction and understanding but you cannot buy it with money you have to ask yourself are you willing to pay the cost to receive the wisdom knowledge and understanding are you willing to pay the cost because the cost is not money the cost is your attention the cost is humility what is the cost your attention and your humility that's the cost are you willing to pay that because if you're not willing to pay that you will not receive this godly wisdom it's easier to give money than to give attention it's easier to put money in the offering box than to sit on a sunday and give your complete attention i'll show you something first kings chapter 3 verse 9 this is king solomon first kings 3 verse 9 solomon talking to god give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that i may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people solomon did not ask god for wisdom solomon asked god for understanding and when he asked god for understanding he asked with honor and humility 
Look at this. He says, Lord, I want understanding to govern your people, not my people. I am the king, but these are not my people. These are your people. How do I have understanding to govern your people? You see how humble Solomon is? It is humility that gave him the access to God's wisdom. If you can understand that whatever you have is not yours, it belongs to God, you'll be more humble. Whatever you have is not yours, it actually belongs to God. And you've been asked to become a steward of it. Let, let me say, the body that you have is not yours. You'll be a better steward of it. You'll be more humble. Amen? Okay, what are the three points so far? Humility, favor, and wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Fourth point. Diligence. Church folks don't like this word. The first three was okay. Diligence? No. Oh man. Sometimes I feel if I can inject some diligence in some people. What is diligence? Diligence is constant and earnest effort to accomplish something. Diligence is constant and earnest effort to accomplish something. Uh, let me show you a verse. Proverbs 10 verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 21 verse 5. The plan of the diligent leads surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Can I say this? Diligence is not just hard work. It's not hard work. Diligence is smart work. That you are proactive, you are prepared to do the work that is required. So there were two people who were sent to cut, cut down trees. And both were given an axe. And they were given five hours. So the first person, he just begins cutting down. He goes with the axe and swings on the tree. The second one, he spends four hours in sharpening his axe. Tell me who will, at the end of the day, cut more trees? The one who has sharpened the knife, sharpened the axe. Diligence is like a sharp knife. Diligence is like a sharp knife. What is the highest paying job? Talk to me, guys. You guys work in the corporate. What is the highest paying job? Okay, let me ask you this. What is the lowest paying job? The lowest paying job is anything that you do with your hands. Any skill that you have is the lowest paying job. You, so you take any skill, be it carpentry, be it electrical work, computer science, software engineer, they all have their you know, different ranges, but they will not go beyond their ranges. So a, a software engineer might start with a salary of 20,000 and the maximum he can hit maybe, maybe 20 lakhs. There's a range. Won't go beyond that range. The lowest paying job is what you do with your hand. It's the skill that you have. The highest paid job is the person who thinks. The sad thing is, people who are trained to do things, they've stopped thinking. And you know, 
your corporate, the job that you work in, they, they purposely, they put you in a department where you know only to do that little thing that you do every day so that you will stop thinking. Because if you stop thinking, you will stop growing. T.L. Osborne says like this, the day person stops learning, he starts dying. Diligence is to think. Ask yourself, in, in, in the assignment that you have in your workplaces or in the ministry or whatever, whatever you do, in the assignment that you have, how much time do you spend thinking about it than doing? It should be 80-20. 80% of the time, if you think, you'll become more diligent, more proficient, more proactively prepared to do and accomplish the task. But what people do, they don't spend time thinking. Oh, the pastor told me to do this, let me just do this. Take a moment, think. What is the problem that you are solving? To be diligent is to be proactive, is to be prepared like a sharp knife. When you do that, your skill, the thing that you do with your hand, it becomes like a great gift. And kings and queens come to you. Proverbs 18 verse 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. But where does it begin? With your thinking. King Solomon, he became so great that people from the east came to him with riches. Queen Sheba came from the east. She brought tons of riches just to see Solomon's wisdom. How you exercise diligence is here. Here, by coordinating what you know with your hand, with your mind. You know, when there was a time when I was doing strength training, and sometimes strength training is so boring. So I will, I will be listening to a podcast and I'll be training. And later I realized, actually I studied about it, that your mind needs to be coordinated with what you're doing. Then only it works. You can be doing like this, but it will not build your muscle if your mind is not coordinated. A lot of us are working. You're, you're not a robot, you're a human being. Think. Diligent. In fact, in my team, I don't like people who, hard, who work hard. Oh man, I have a problem when people work hard. And I often tell them, I don't want you to work hard. I want you to walk, work smart. Smart work is better than hard work. Why is that? Because smart work will accelerate the time that you will do in your hard work. We can do so much more. So work smart. And for that, it requires diligence, constant use of your mind while you're working. Don't just leave your mind somewhere. Constantly use your mind, exercise your mind. Do you know that your brain is a muscle? What happens when you don't use a muscle? Yeah, so now you wonder why your brain is not working. Um, the fourth point. I've already told you four points, right? Okay, fifth one. Fifth one is integrity. Integrity. Another word for integrity would be credibility, a good name. 
you cannot earn you know you cannot pay money enough for a good name people people see everything you can't just buy a good name with money people evaluate you based on a lot of things do you know you can take something from chandni chowk rebrand it and sell it and people will buy it why because people trust the name that's why millions and millions of dollars are done across all the corporates to keep rebranding so that they can use a name that people trust in india you can get a job because of a good name because of a recommendation who son are you oh okay what do you want oh okay a good name credibility integrity don't lose your name because of money proverbs 22 verse 1 says a good name is to be chosen than great riches if you have an opportunity to choose a good name with riches don't choose riches choose good name good name is more precious than riches philippians 2 verse 9 therefore god has highly exalted him exalted whom jesus he exalted him bestowed in him the name that is above every name what jesus received was a good name how do we heal people in the name of jesus peter and john they went to this beggar who was lame and they said gold and silver we don't have but we have a name the name of jesus by the name of jesus be healed a good name is a true riches so in your company if if there's a question where you might lose your name for a certain assignment that you're given don't do it because a good name is better than money be very careful keep your integrity on keep your integrity on you might lose in the short term but in the long term you'll always win you'll always reap the harvest amen no matter who comes against you no matter who forces you who entices you don't lose your name don't lose your integrity stand for your integrity sixth one relationships relationships in god's kingdom relationship holds the highest currency relationships our faith in god is measured by how much we love people if you say you believe in god you believe in jesus you believe in the finished work all of that but you don't love people you don't have faith because your faith in god will empower you to love people it's as simple as that paul says in ephesians 1 verse 15 for i heard of your faith your faith makes noise how does it make noise when you love people because when you love people your faith makes noise relationships and the power of relationships are ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil for if they fall one will lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls and he has no one to lift him up relationships are powerful have you thought why why believers are so offended by another believer 
they don't have a problem in the corporate so much as much as they have in the church. Believers are constantly irritated, frustrated with other believers. But we have more one another verses written in the Bible. Love one another, care for one another, bear one another, cherish one another, celebrate one another. Because God knows that relationships are good for you. They are the true currency of heaven that will bring you more riches and wealth. If you, if you don't have money, but if you have relationships, you are set for life. You can die peacefully. When a person is on his deathbed, when a person is on his deathbed, he's not counting his money. He's looking for people who can come and sit with him during those last dying moments, relationships. That's a true riches. Every association, I've, I've said this yes, last week, every association will add to you or will subtract from you. Every association. So you have to be careful with whom you have your relationship with. So in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham. God says, you know, set yourself apart. Get out of your family. Get out of your relatives, you know. I want you to be set apart. And the next chapter, you see how God blesses Abraham. He has silver, he has gold, he has sheep, oxen, bulls, you know. A lot of resources. Abraham was so blessed that nations were afraid. Once a king came to Isaac, his son, and said, you have to leave this place because we cannot contain you. You are much more greater than us. Just imagine the kind of wealth that he had. But it was because of relationships. Because he had to set him apart for God, set apart himself from the family. That was God's commandment. And look at the divine connection that God brought in Abraham's life. So in, in your seasons of life, God will ask you to dissociate from certain people because that's for your benefit. And associate with some people because that's for your benefit. Every person that comes to the church is a blessing for the church. Every person that leaves the church is a blessing for the church. Amen to that. Amen. So when a person leaves the church, you should not be upset. It's a blessing. Thank God they left early. Relationships are powerful. Amen? We need relationships. Final one. Seventh point, anointing. What is the anointing? Anointing is a supernatural empowerment of God that amplifies all the above true riches. Anointing is a supernatural empowerment of God that amplifies all the true riches. What are the other true riches? Humility, favor, Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. What's the fourth one? Diligence. Integrity. Relationships. Anointing has the power to amplify all of these riches. So consider anointing like the mic that I'm holding. The mic is amplifying my voice. But if I don't speak, the mic has nothing to amplify. Can you hear? So the anointing will only work if you have the other six true riches. 
But what the anointing will do is will amplify all of that. So the people in the world can have the other true riches, but because they don't have the anointing, they don't have the capacity to amplify. You have that. Anointing will amplify. Isn't it amazing? Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is who he who gives you power. Say with me, power. Power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your father as it is to this day. You have the power. You have the power. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, God blessed man. He blessed man and he said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue. But that happens because he was blessed. It's the blessing of the Lord. Without the blessing, you cannot be fruitful. You cannot multiply. It's the blessing of the Lord. Blessing of the Lord enables you to take dominion. Blessing of the Lord. Amen? Okay. So what are the seven riches? First one, humility. Second one, favor. Third one, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Fourth one, diligence. Fifth one, integrity. Sixth one, Relationship, seventh one, anointing. You know, if you have any one of this, if you were lacking in any one of this and you receive it, your finances will increase automatically. But just imagine if you had all seven of this. Because this, this is true riches from heaven. True riches from heaven cannot be quantified. It is unlimited and you can grow into it as much as you want. And the more you grow into it, the more you attract the resources of the earth towards yourself. Amen? That's why our priority should be right. Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Without the priority being set right, we can run after these things when these things should be running after us. You seek first God's kingdom. You seek first God's kingdom. You seek first his purpose, his plans, his dreams, and all these things shall come to you. Did you notice something? That everything flows from humility. Because humility can bring favor. Favor can bring wisdom. Wisdom can bring diligence. Diligence can bring a good name. A good name can bring relationships. Everything flows from humility. Today, what God asks of you is, will you be humble enough so that I can bless you? Will you be humble enough to receive? If you're humble, you can receive. If you're not humble, you cannot receive. It could be gold and diamond and silver, but because you're not humble, you can't receive. Humility. Humility is where everything starts. And humility is the ability to learn, to be teachable, to have a heart of teachability. Amen. Blessed? Yeah. Awesome. Humility can't be imparted. I can't pray for you to become humble. No. You have to decide. I want to be humble. I want to set the posture of my heart right. That's what God says, be humble. He doesn't say pray for humility. He just says be humble. So be humble. Be humble.
be humble. Amen. Humble people. You know, I I've had the privilege of sitting with some some of the great men of God of this nation. I have the privilege of sitting with them, and one thing that I've noticed is humility. Oh man, they are so humble. So humble. You you can sit and talk to them, and they will be still willing to listen and willing to learn from you. They're so humble. Humility is. I'm telling you, it's the master key. It opens up a lot of things. Amen. Be humble, my friends. Yeah. It puts a spotlight on you. Because it attracts favor, it attracts honor, it attracts all kinds of things. A lot of people are here in my team, not because of diligence, but because of humility. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Come on, let's pray. Oh, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to just take a moment and just to humble yourself before the Lord. How do you do that? Maybe just open your mouth and say, Lord, I just want to learn from you. I just want to receive your grace. I don't want to complicate this. I just want to have whatever you have for me. I just want to receive freely, not earn for it, but just receive. Come on. The Bible says, whoever asks for wisdom, he shall receive. But asking for wisdom also requires humility. So will you ask the Lord, Lord, will you, will you give me wisdom? Will you give me favor? Favor. If you have been in unfair situations where you felt that what has happened to you is unfair, don't ask for God's justice. Don't ask for what is fair to be given to you. Don't ask for what is fair so that you will have the compensation of what you have contributed. Ask for favor. Favor is better than fairness. Ask for favor today. Ask for favor. Lord, we need your favor. 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 Your favor. Work in me, O oh Lord. I'm willing to receive all that you have for me. I'm willing to receive. I'm willing to receive all that you have for me. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. One of the reasons why we raise our hands during worship is to say, Lord, I surrender. I don't have it. I don't know it. I can't do enough, but I want you. I surrender. I give up in my strength. I receive your strength. Come on, if you are somebody who has resonated in the word and who wants these true riches, will you just raise your hands? Just in humility, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I want more of your grace. I want more of your favor. I'm not going to pretend that everything is all right. I'm not going to boast upon my strength, but here I am. I 
I openly I boast about my weakness because I need your strength to perfect in me. I need you. I want you. I need you, O Lord. I need you, O Lord. I want you, O Lord. I want you. I want your favor. I want more of your favor. I want more of your grace. Oh, I want more of your favor. I'm I'm willing to be teachable, O Lord. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me, O Lord. Teach me your word, O Lord. Teach me your word. Let it be done to me as per your word, O Lord. Teach me. I want more of your favor. I want more of your favor. More of your favor. More of your favor. Everything that I have, everything that I possess, my wealth, my education, my power, everything I consider it as trash compared to the knowledge of Jesus. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Teach me, O oh Lord. I want to know you more. Open my eyes so that I can have more revelation of who you are. I can have a deeper insight, deeper insight, deeper insight, deeper insight. I want to walk with you like Enoch walked with God. I want to walk with you. 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 Yes. 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 Walk with you. 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 Mm. I want to rely on you, Lord. I don't want money to become my decision maker. I want you to become my decision maker. You to become my decision maker. I want you to rule my life. And I proclaim right now that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. Jesus, money is not the Lord. Jesus is the Lord of our lives. Jesus is the Lord of our hearts. Jesus is the Lord of my emotion. Money does not get to dictate my emotions. Jesus gets to dictate. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I want your favor. I want your favor. Holy Spirit, I need you. 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 I need favor your one one moment of favor is enough one moment of favor is enough I need you 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 one moment of favor one moment of favor one moment of favor yes 
Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh Lord, how I Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh Lord. Sing with me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, Lord, how I need you. Lord, I Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, Lord, how I need you. Come on, will you stand up with me? Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, Lord, how I need you. Your name, your name, 
is the highest your name is the greatest your name oh all thrones all thrones and dominions all power and possessions your name stands above them all your name your name your name your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones and dominions are power and possession your name stands above them all your name your name your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones all thrones and dominions are power and possession your name stands above them all and the angels creation cry holy you are lifted high holy holy forever let your peace 